Hello, everyone, and welcome back to The Fox Report. I'm your host, Lauren Williams, the beat reporter here at the Atlanta Journal-Constitution covering the Hawks. And we got another episode for you guys. It's been a short week for us with Thanksgiving. It's just like the NFL, you know, short week. So you got to stay ready and you won't have to get ready. We've got a good show for you guys. As always, as you guys know, the Hawks have lost their last two games, but we already touched on the Knicks. So that means we've got to talk about the 76ers and what that means for the in-season tournament for the Hawks. Of course, like I said, it's Thanksgiving. So my trusty, handy, dandy producer, Daniel Salerson, is going to help me out with a little Thanksgiving theme of this episode because it's Thanksgiving week. Can you believe it? But if you're listening to us for the first time, please make sure to subscribe, like, rate the podcast, and you can listen to it on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you guys get your podcasts. This is a Hawks Report from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. Welcome back to the Hawks Report. Since it's a Thanksgiving-themed episode, I just want to say that I'm thankful for all of my listeners who are tuning in this week. Daniel, what are you thankful for? I'm thankful for the same thing. I'm thankful for our wonderful host and Lauren, who's done a great job <laughs> since we uh, kind of took over the podcast last year and appreciate the insight that Lauren gives day in and day out, not just the podcast, but of course, all of her articles. And so uh, make sure you continue to follow her work and everything like that. But yeah, I'm, I'm thankful that we get to talk about basketball mm-hmm. uh, as part of our job. So I think that's the biggest thing. And uh, I'm looking forward to another week. It's a very busy week for Atlanta and the NBA schedule makers did not care that it was Thanksgiving for the Hawks and have decided to give them a plate of back to backs um, on this yep. fine holiday. I was going to say there's There's probably a couple of things that the Hawks may not be grateful for this week, including those back-to-backs. You've got two sets of back-to-backs in the span of six days, um, which is insane. And then I'm also sure that they're not grateful about being six and six right now. As I mentioned at the top of the show, they lost their last two games, the first being with the Knicks, which, as I mentioned, we touched on in our last episode. And then on Friday night, they dropped that game to, which was an in-season tournament game, to the 76ers. And I think the biggest thing that we can take away from 
you know, the last two games, um, now that we kind of have a very, very small sample size of those two, is that the Hawks need to be better at rebounding. They started off the season great. Well, pretty good. Um, sorry, I went from great to pretty good. But they, they were, they're a strong rebounding team. You know, Clint Capella and Onyeko Kongu, you know, have been doing their thing down low in the paint. Um, you've got guys like Jalen Johnson stepping up and using his athleticism to help them fight for the rebounds. But in these last two games, they went up against some elite talent in Mitchell Robinson against the Knicks, who leads the league in offensive rebounds. And then you have the reigning MVP in Joel Embiid, who just wreaks havoc all over the place. So, you know, one of the huge things that Quinn Snyder has stressed in practices over these last couple of days leading up to their matchup against the Pacers on Tuesday is that all five guys on the floor need to rebound. And I think it's safe to say we can all agree with that, you know, Teams are committing a lot of manpower to try and shut Clint Capella down, you know, when he's trying to get those rebounds, trying to contest. And, you know, he's doing his best. But I think we need to see more bodies down down low, particularly when, you know, you have guys who are trying to tap the rebound out and the other teams are just committing enough guys that they end up winning that battle. And so I think that's the the key that I want to see. And, and particularly after these last two games is just making sure that even if, you know, a team does end up getting that offensive rebound, that they're defending through every single possession and not leaving guys open, whether that's, you know, on the, in the corner, on the wing, so that those guys who have competed for the rebounds can kick it out to them and bury those three pointers. That's that's basically what happened on Friday night. That was I think the most jarring thing that I can point to as you know what cost them the game. I mean, there of course are a lot of things that the Hawks were planning on cleaning up and have tried to clean up in you know these last couple of days of practice, which is quite a luxury if you think about it. Not often do you get three straight days off from from games, it's usually you're going to a game every other night. But fortunately, after taking a day off on Sunday, the Hawks had two days to, or sorry, excuse me, Saturday. My days are all mixed up. After taking a day off on Saturday, the Hawks had practice on Sunday and Monday. And so they were able to kind of actually focus on those things that were a problem in in those last two games. And so, Daniel, when you think about, you know, the fact that they have guys like Clint Capella and Onyeko Kongu who were among the top rebounders in the league last season and, you know, they're struggling in these last two games. Like, what does that tell you? I, I kind of touched on it just then, but what do you th- what do you want to see from from the Hawks as they continue through the season? Yeah, I agree. I think it's going to take a team effort to get that rebounding situated covered. But I think a lot of it comes down to when they face a really big guy that plays center. Look, you don't have a traditional NBA like it was back early on when there was every man, every team had a big man, a big center they had to worry about. A lot of teams go small, and they also, a lot of these bigger guys now are faster. And so sometimes the rebounding is not really a big factor when it comes to some of these teams, but it seems like you mentioned the two big factors in the Knicks and the Sixers were Mitchell Robinson, a, a tall, very strong 
individual for the Knicks. And then, of course, Joel Embiid and also Tobias Harris, who you allowed to get double-digit rebounds as well in that loss to Philadelphia. So I think team effort and rebounding has definitely got to be a little bit more consistent. I mean, you had Jalen Johnson and Clint Capella both have double-digit rebounding against Philly. But that's where the guards have to come in in the play. I know you have to find that balance of you know getting it back, getting in transition and getting back. Um, but also, if you don't get the ball back, then it's kind of a moot point. So as far as the rebounding, maybe you bring three or four guys in there and have one guy leak out to get back in transition, or you know four guys crashing hard even on offensive possessions. That way, again, you can you can try to get maybe some extra second chance opportunities, but you can't allow these teams to have such a big rebounding advantage where it's definitely taking away from what the Hawks are able to do um, on either side of the floor. Again, whether it's you're allowing offensive rebounds and second chance opportunities for the opposing team or whether you're just not getting rebounds as well. So uh, I think it's just a fine balance of Quinn having to figure out what's the best way to, to handle this situation. Long rebounds sometimes are a factor, not boxing out a guy, just kind of watching the ball and then it ends up going into the other team's hands. And then again, another opportunity for them. But I, I think the good thing is, is there's not a lot of teams you have to worry about that as far as you just, I mean, out of your six losses, three of them are against Philly and New York twice, I believe. Has it been once against Philly? Yeah. So uh, I think it's just something that, you know, if you're facing a big team, I think the strategy has to change a little bit. But if you are facing a kind of a small ball lineup, then that's where maybe the Hawks take advantage and maybe it's not something that they have to worry about too much, but there are some teams that you're going to have to, again, figure that out once you, once you play them. Yeah. Um, if, if we want to kind of take a look at some of, you know, who the losses came to for Atlanta, you know, you had, as you know, we mentioned the Hornets first loss of the season, season opener. Then you had the Knicks, as you mentioned, they've lost to the Knicks twice. So that's three. They lost to, OKC, which has Chet, a very long player, <laughs> a very tall player who can, you know, really make life difficult for centers just because of how much he can reach and and compete on the glass. And he, you know, Clint's gonna, you know, any center is gonna have to work extra hard. So in in cases like that, you're gonna have to commit a lot more men to help Clint out or Onyeka out particularly when they're you're going against a guy as big as Chet. But of course, they have four other players on the floor that were competing for those rebounds as well. And then they lost to the Heat and the 76ers. So, yeah, I think those are some pretty... I think you can kind of see a trend in in some of those losses, right? Where they're playing guys that are either very physical or very big and lanky. Yeah, and Bam Adebayo, you mentioned in that Miami, he had 17 rebounds in that win, and they were without Jimmy Butler and Tyler Hero in that one. Mm -hmm. Again, that was kind of the Mexico City hangover. Mm -hmm. I think we kind of agreed that they were just kind of a little lackadaisical, and mm -hmm. again, didn't really have a lot of time to recover from that, but I mean, when you have someone like that dominate the boards, you're, you're right, you're seeing a theme, and like you said, Chet Holgram's a very long individual that the theme is some of these losses are against teams that have big centers and that yeah. can get a lot of rebounds. And so, yeah. again, I, I'm not saying this is something that, oh, they face a small ball team, they're fine. No, you're mm -hmm. going to have to battle rebounding every night. I mean, there are a lot of great centers out there, whether they're, you know, seven foot or whether they're 
a smaller 6'10", 6'9", and again, just can run the floor, or they stretch the floor. And I think that's mm-hmm. where sometimes it gets a little trickier too when you have centers that stretch the floor, then you're, you still have yeah. to figure out ways to balance where you stay inside the paint and get the rebound, but you also kind of have to show yourself a little bit against that that center like a Brooke Lopez that can mm-hmm. take you out from beyond the arc and shoot the three. So, And even Embiid at times can take mm-hmm. the three as well. So it, it's a tough balance, but that's why you have a guy like Quinn Snyder to figure that stuff out. And again, it's early. Are you still feeling like at six and six? I know we talked about all last year with Snip Snap and playing mm-hmm. tournament and all that. Does it still, even after those two losses, has it changed your opinion at all about the direction of this team? Or is it still kind of a wait and see? Because I know you wanted to give it a little bit more of a sample size. Yeah, I I still am not in quote unquote panic mode or concern mode just yet. And I think one of the reasons why is because maybe in talking to Snyder quite a bit preseason, he talked a lot about progress being nonlinear and that you're not gonna always see steady progression and, and good things and I think, you know, with each team, they're going to learn something new about themselves. And and one of the big things that actually stuck with me at practice on Monday when we talked to Snyder is he mentioned he felt like the team was further ahead than he expected in preseason. And then they got to the regular season. And I think it provided him with a much better bench not benchmark but a much better idea of what they were and where or rather where they were or where they are as a team i think i still can give a little bit of grace just because the factor of you bring in a whole new system for these guys to learn train dejante are still figuring each other out in clint capella's case he's being asked to you know not only do what we know he's capable capable of doing down low and and going up against some of the other team's bigs, but they're also asking him to be a facilitator. And in some ways, I mean, it makes sense just because you want everybody to be able to make plays for everyone and everything like that. But I I think when you are adding stuff to people's plate, it does kind of give you a little bit of a learning curve, if you will. So, yeah, I, 12 games, I still think I'm still trying to figure out what this team is or who this team is. But I think based on the first 12 games, the little bit of identity that I take away from them right now is that they do compete. They may not necessarily execute <laughs> perfect or well every single time, but they compete, especially when you and obviously this is a this is the NBA. You can't have moral victories at the end of the day. It's your regular season record that counts and buys your ticket to the playoffs. But when I think back to last year and some of the matchups that they had that were are similar to or were similar to what we've seen so far, the approach is just different. You look at how in some games, they're down double digits and they get the game to single digits. And even though they, they, you see that they're trying to get themselves over the hump and they're competing hard and they're trying to do it, 
Whereas last season, sometimes it felt like you could pinpoint the moment that they gave up. So I think the interesting thing to keep an eye on is as they continue to face this, and I know it's cliche with sports and everything, but this adversity, (laughs) do they still maintain that compete level uh, if the end result isn't a win, right? Do they still play for each other? Do they still continue to try and uh, implement the habits that Snyder is is trying to uh, encourage, and you know, are they still? Are we? Are we? Can we still see some progress, even though it's not linear? Can you still pinpoint moments where okay, this was better than last game? Okay, and they're they're starting to do the stacking of good days, and we're you know we're seeing some of these things beginning to stick, if you will. No, I think it's a great point. It was something I was going to kind of ask you next and kind of piggyback off of you before we kind of take a break is, and you can agree or disagree, I'm going to ask you, they really haven't been blown out this year yet at 12 games. They have mm-hmm. a double d- double digit losses, like even the Sixers one was a 10 point loss. Mm-hmm. But have you really felt like they haven't been blown out, whereas like they start the game really poorly and mm-hmm. it's just over from the get go? You mentioned that there was that point there like, all right they're done has that been one of those small signs that maybe they are you know making progress yeah in the corner or whatever the fact that in 12 games even though it's a 6-6 record there hasn't been that one wow they just really didn't show up or wow they just yeah. got they didn't compete at all or the other yeah. team just really kicked their behinds i feel like that's again a good step in the right direction i agree i i think there have been games where I have made the conscious thought like, oh, okay, here we are again. Um, Like I think back to the Minnesota game, they were down 19 at the half, 21 at some point in the third quarter. And last season that would have, and actually I do remember Trey, Trey Young in that post-game press conference noting that last season that would have been a game that they probably just said, okay, whatever, on to the next, right? But they didn't. Um, I think about the last New York game. And I think early in that first quarter, New York went on this big run and got out to a 13-point lead. But the Hawks still fought back. And at one point took the lead. They just couldn't finish the game. So I think that's like another level that they'll have to do. Like when you get the lead back, you got to hold on to it. Because we've seen them have success when... They've um, gotten out on the right foot, like the Milwaukee game, and then they just, they held it. And we've seen them get, fall behind significantly, fight back, and then they they do hold on to it and they're able to execute down the stretch. I think the big thing now that will take them to the next level is when they're in a dogfight like they were against New York where there's so much back and forth. You get the lead, but it's not necessarily quite... The other team doesn't call uncle as quickly as like maybe Minnesota or New Orleans or or whatever. Um, when it's a literal... Not a literal, but when it's a dogfight and you have to really be on your P's and Q's. I think that's the next level um, for them to reach. Uh, is how do they continue to operate in a circumstance like that? 
Yeah, I think that that makes a lot of sense. And again, I, I think you mentioned maybe the next 10 days or 10 games or so, you know, you'll hit the 22 game mark, 13 games will be 25 game mark. And I think we really will have a better idea. And you're hoping that maybe that results in not being right at 500 after those 25 games, if you're a few games over and looking at the standings. Yeah, you're in the plane right now. It's so early, but you're like two games out from being one of the top seeds because I think every team is still, you really can't figure out what teams are really have risen to every the top. You have still, your ideas. Yeah, yeah, every team is still figuring itself out. And I don't say this to wish ill will on any team, but with the schedule and just the nature of the NBA, any of those teams are one or two injuries from taking a nosedive. And I mean, it just, you just, the NBA is so unpredictable. And so again, I don't say that to, to wish any ill will or bad juju or put anything out there, but it's just a reality. So I I think the key, or if, even if it's not injuries, there are times when teams just have really, really bad stretches and they just nothing's clicking so yeah so it can happen to any team and maybe that's where the hawks are right now and their um their peaking will come at the right time so timing's everything i think timing peaking, is everything peaking in march and april getting hot the right moment getting that mm-hmm. rhythm in i think is more important than yeah you want to be peaking at multiple times during the season mm-hmm. um but you mentioned it. Health is going to be the number one thing. There are going to be injuries. Mm-hmm. We hate them every time we see a superstar go down because we want to see everyone play. Exactly. But it's not the end for injuries. And the trade right. deadline and teams yes. are going to look way different in February than they are right now based on a lot of factors. Mm-hmm. Teams that are out of playoff hopes will sell. Yeah. Teams that are at the top, they're like, I'm one piece away, you're going to buy. Mm-hmm. Again, we are not even close to thinking about that. But this Mm-mm. Hawks team could look different too depending on yeah. what they want to do for the future so yeah six and six um a big week coming up as i always mm-hmm. say but with two back-to-backs it's a it's kind of a gut check time because these are going to be no matter what opponent they're playing having two back-to-backs in six days is no joke yeah and as you said a big week coming for the hawks and we're gonna keep talking about it and and talk about what we hope to see from the hawks This is the Hawks Report from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo Concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. In Atlanta, one voice has stood out for over four decades. An AJC original, The Monica Pearson Show. Let's talk about how you got to ESPN. Revealing interviews. You are known as America's doctor, but I want to know who you were before that. When you have a different name, you have different color skin, it can be tough. With Atlanta's most famous faces, as you've never seen them before. I'm telling my story. This is the American dream. The Monica Pearson Show, streaming now on AJC.com. Welcome back to the Hawks Report from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. 
I want to take this time to thank everyone once again uh, for subscribing to the AJC and AJC.com. As always, you guys are what make this possible. The AJC has a special offer for our podcast listeners. If you subscribe today, you can get three months of unlimited digital access for just 99 cents. That's all of our stories, sports coverage, politics, breaking news, investigations, food and dining, and much, much more on AJC.com. Then there's also access to the e-paper and our assortment of newsletters. And you can join our community by going to subscribe.ajc.com slash podcast. That's subscribe.ajc.com slash podcast. So you always know what's really going on. All right, Daniel, big week. It's Thanksgiving. Quick question. Are you a pecan, pecan? Sweet potato or pumpkin pie person? I know what I am. I'm a pumpkin pie person, but I don't Mm -hmm. know if that's like an outlier anymore. I don't know what the consensus is for pies because they all sound really good. And I know all of them are served during Thanksgiving. Mm -hmm. Um, I was a little disappointed. I asked my mom what I bring for Thanksgiving. And she's like, don't bring a pumpkin pie. No one's going to eat that. I'm like, what? Then am I just going to eat one? Like, I think I'm going to have to buy one for myself for the house and just have one because I really enjoy them. They do make mini ones. You just have to find one. I don't want a mini one. I want the whole <laughs> dang thing, Lauren. <laughs> so I might have to eat the whole thing. What about you? If you had a choice, if you care, don't really have a preference or or just like a dessert in general. What What is your go-to if you get a choice um, to have someone make dessert and bring it over? What are you telling them to bring? So living in the North for as long as I did, almost a decade, they're big on pumpkin pie up there. Okay. My kind of people. But I actually prefer, if we're talking specifically Thanksgiving pies, I prefer sweet potato pie. But if we're talking favorite pies in general, I would prefer either key lime pie or apple pie. Okay. That's fair enough. I think those are all good choices there. I think that's going to be be something where I engage in a lot of these pies on, on Thursday, whether it's... Pecan, I'm not going to discriminate. I will right. eat whatever pie is served in multiple slices, and it's a chance for me to loosen up the belt and yeah. wear some stretchy pants and go on with my day. So Yeah, I think you just have to bring out the stretchy pants for Thanksgiving. But I will say, I will never eat a pecan pie, ever. Really? Never. What do you have against it? I don't like pecans. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that, that's a good reason why you don't like pecan <laughs> pie is that the pecans in it. You like pie, just not the pecan pie. Right. That's fair enough. That's fair enough. Yeah. I'm sure, um, you know, some of our Hawks fans will be enjoying plenty of pie on Thanksgiving, as well as the Hawks. They might get some pie in in between their two sets of back-to-backs. Yeah. So before we talk about that back-to-back, uh, let's, let's do one more Thanksgiving question kind of related to the Hawks. Okay. And... Maybe, you know, Thanksgiving is a holiday of being thankful and yeah. a lot of families go around the table and say one thing they're thankful for. Mm-hmm. So if you either, I'll let you choose this. You can okay. either say what you're thankful for as far as the Hawks, whether it's okay. a player, whether it's 
anything. Mm-hmm. Or you can tell me what do you think fans are thankful for, Hawks fans are thankful for oh, I this think season. so easy. I think Hawks fans are so thankful for Jalen Johnson. Man, you took mine, but that's a really good answer. <laughs> <laughs> that's why I said it's so easy. Yeah, I mean, it is How easy. could they not be? I think we all are grateful for Jalen Johnson and and how he's really come into his own this season. And you can see how he's playing with confidence and and how his teammates have, um, you know, invoked confidence into him. And it's it's great to watch. He's a great player. It's nice to see, you know development from the young guys and, and yeah. really see the potential and really see the growth. I mean, the fact that he's averaging 15 points, eight rebounds, shooting 61% from the field uh, is just, it is really cool to see his, his growth and him getting the opportunity. I think he's probably thankful for that. Yeah. The big thing is opportunity that his role has increased has so much since sure. last year. And again, it, it doesn't really matter whether he starts, whether he comes off the bench. And I think mm-hmm. Quinn's been really flexible with that. And I think that's mm-hmm. really gone a long way for him. He, he just seems like he's a really mature individual that I think can stand up to the pressure Yeah. if it, if it comes down to him, which is, is really cool to see. So to kind of go along your lines. Well, I just wanted to say real quickly, yeah. I'm sure if I'm Jalen Johnson, I'm grateful that my minutes have gone up from 14.9% last season to 30.6 this season yeah i think so too i think he and they should be grateful for my next choice for being grateful i think that's quinn snyder Um, yeah that was that was one that was my choice too if i hadn't picked jalen i would have said quinn snyder i'm thankful for him just for a lot of reasons i i think i think he's the right coach for this team Mm -hmm. and again we may not see it in the win-loss record right now Mm -hmm. but it is developing a winning Winning culture. He's developing, you know, hopefully what will become winning habits. Yeah. Winning habits. You've got talent on this team. And I think, again, despite being six and six, I think the attitude in the culture has changed. We mentioned they yes. haven't been really blown out. They've mm-hmm. come back from behind and won games they shouldn't mm-hmm. have. They've had some wire wire the wins. They've had contributions from multiple guys. He's very mm-hmm. flexible. Uh, I've, I've, he's a great teacher and he's been yes he's been a great teacher wherever he's gone through his mm-hmm. ranks all the way from Missouri all the way till from Utah I mean you saw some of those Utah teams too and what they were able to do under him just the fact that they were I mean they were really talented and you know we're at the top of the Western Conference so mm-hmm. um, I know that's the goal for him being here and so for me I, I'm thankful that Quinn Snyder is at the helm and I trust that they're gonna I don't want to say turn things around because they're not you know they're not in like they're not two and twelve right now or two and ten. They're six and six. And I, I feel like they will be better. They will go on streaks. And I think you'll see a better Hawks team for sure this year than you did last year. Yeah. I I think again, it's just so easy to see. I think if we're if okay, if we're talking progress, right? I think it's great to see that this team, they're engaged for pretty much all 48 minutes. They may not necessarily execute (laughs) for a full 48 minutes, but they're engaged. And that's something that they had trouble with last season where players would disengage, especially in situations where they weren't getting enough touches or getting any touches. So I think one, as you said, with the cultural shift and the idea of being selfless, it helps keep everybody 
with their eye on the prize and they all realize that they have the same goal, which is winning. For sure. And I know we touched on this and it's kind of before we get out of here, um, they're not thankful for the schedule that yeah. is about to be, uh, you know, about their endeavor. They're about to get into as far as these two back to backs, two games at home, mm-hmm. two games on the road, Pacers and Nets at home. One of those an in-season tournament game against Indiana. Mm-hmm. Then you're on the road for a long road trip. Wizards, Celtics, at least for this week, and then you still have Cleveland and San Antonio, where you get the your first look at Wemby yeah. in San Antonio. That's going to be fun, but we'll stick with this week as far as just two back-to-backs are tough, yet alone the opponents are, are not going to be, can't, again, the Wizards, they're going to win some yeah. games. You just don't want it to be against the Hawks. Yeah. But I'm really intrigued to see how they play against Indiana. Just because I think the Indiana is playing really well and Tyrese mm-hmm. Halliburton has been going off. They're playing some really good basketball. Mm-hmm. I'm excited to see Tuesday night's game and, and how that one will play out. Daniel, let me ask you this. Okay. So the Hawks have played two sets of back to back so far and they swept the first one and split the second one. So how would you put that record would you say that they're three and four on back to back or sorry three and one on back to backs or would you say they're one and one on back to backs like like how how do you well how would you say what their record yeah, is on back to backs i judge it on the second night of the back to back because i think that's the hardest game okay. to figure out because the first so game is one. the first game so they're one and one which again if you can stay 500 on the second night of back to backs you're in pretty good shape yeah, uh, I think that's the goal for the team is that some of them are a little easier, especially if they're home home back to backs. You get a little mm-hmm. bit of an advantage. You don't have to leave um, your own bed. Home yeah. road back to backs are the toughest ones because you are playing a home game and having to go. But the, I think the the advantage of well, I guess I should say, I guess I don't know. The advantage of the first one is a home home back to back. Yeah. So and even the second one, it's road road. It's you know, it's it's Washington and Boston, not too bad of travel, yeah. but you lose an hour, which I don't understand in these situations where they play at seven o'clock on Saturday and then six on Sunday, which is a disadvantage for them because it's an hour difference as far as you're starting an hour earlier on the back to back. So and you're going yeah. to Boston. But yeah, so my judgment is, yeah, the second night of the back to back. So one and one I totally take right now. OK, so, you know, what's crazy. I just counted it out. When this is all said and done, they will have had three sets of back-to-backs over 13 days. That's insane. It is, but the good thing is, is the fact that they're knocking out a lot of them early. Mm-hmm. I think at least bodes well from them from down the stretch when you're not going to have as many to go. Because what's the NBA averaging around 11 to 12 per team per season? I know they've been steadily trying to get them to go down. Yeah. But I would say roughly around 11 to 12. So you're already going to be a quarter of the way through yours. Right, you haven't even hit they December have a total yet. of 13 back-to-backs. Yeah, so four out of your 13 are going to be done by the end of this month. So they'll okay. be a little bit more spread out. So Look at your perspective. Uh, you know, I'm a glass <laughs> half full kind of guy right now. I'm thankful. This is a, a week of, of being thankful. A week of gratitude. Uh, gratitude. When it comes to, if you're a Seinfeld fan, Festivus, that's where I'll air my grievances later on <laughs> next month. Uh, but for right now, yeah, from my perspective, the fact that you're going to get some of these out of the way early, I'll Pretty take solid. it. Yeah. So if we recap everything we've talked about so far, as they head into these two sets of back-to-backs, you know, Indiana, 
Brooklyn, Washington, Boston. I think the big key is obviously they have to be better at transition defense, but to be better to or even to try and, you know, take care of offense, which they want to be able to generate off of their defense, they got to rebound better. And I said that in a huge roundabout way, but they need to rebound better. And that's what's I think that's the big key. And I think it's going to obviously it's going to come into play for all four of these games coming up over the next few days. But I really see it being huge when it comes to a team like Boston, who has a seven footer in Kristaps Porzingis. And then also, you know, Daniel Gafford has has given Clint Capella and Onyeka Kongu some trouble. And I believe, you know, he did not play in that first game against the Hawks when the Wizards came to town. But it does seem he is back in the rotation. So, yeah. So I guess Hawks fans can expect another battle there. But, yeah, rebounding. Group, all five guys, rebounding. Rebounding. After these four games, when we talk next week, that will be our... I wouldn't say measuring stick, but it kind of is uh, on how they are record-wise and rebounding-wise. We'll we'll tally it up and see how they if they can out-rebound their opponents in the next four. That's their homework. That's their goal. That's their homework. And as always, Daniel and I will be back to talk about Hawks basketball next time. Remember, please listen, rate, like, subscribe, um, wherever it is that you guys get your podcast and. We'll talk to you guys next time. This is the Hawks Report from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. The AJC's trusted veteran political voices, Greg Bluestein, Patricia Murphy, Tia Mitchell, and Bill Nygut are the essential source for Georgia politics. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution's Politically Georgia. Sign up for the newsletter, download the podcast, subscribe to the AJC. Hip-hop is a product of black people. It's a product of black song and celebration. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution presents Hip-Hop's most pulled elements are pulled from the South. A Southern hip-hop store. We always go back to that moment of the Source Awards. Everybody wants your rhythm, but they don't want your blues. The biggest names in hip-hop. Atlanta is still the mecca for hip-hop. 50 years. No one can deny. One film. The power of the South now. The South got something to say. Streaming now at AJC.com slash hip-hop.